0: this great hymn that celebrates a wonderful transaction that took place on a hill called Golgotha at a place called Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Sing with us. the creator of all the universe to give his only begotten son for us what love it was that caused that son to leave the splendor of heaven and come to Calvary for us it reminds me of a song that was written about 30-35 years ago by Andre Crouch and it, it speaks exactly our question I don't know why Jesus loved me oh but I'm so glad he did you don't know this song, we're going to sing through it once and then join us next time around.
1: The smile me but I don't know why. in love. We'll
0: reminds me of another old hymn it says his love has no limit his grace has no measure his power has no boundary known unto man for out of his marvelous riches in Jesus he giveth and giveth and giveth again we have a good God don't we Amen. we're going to close the singing with a song that just says God is so good he's so good to me
1: For oh.
2: Weren't they good? Amen. <laughs> Let's give them a hand. Yeah. Those hymns are enhanced by the worship teams. And I had tears in my eyes to hear these songs being sang with this, uh, the four or five men we have, six men in the worship team and the, all the church This is a blessing, and thank God for Randy and the worship team. May God bless you to serve him as long as we are in transit. You like in transit? Okay. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts. I am uh, hoping that soon we will start studying the book of Acts. We are due after Corinthians, book of Acts. Before I read uh, some verses from chapter 4, in chapter 3, we have a miracle happened with Peter and John before they entered the temple. And as you will know, there was a certain man who has been lame from his mother's womb there. And Peter, with the power of God, through him, the Lord healed him, and he started jumping and walking, and enjoying life the way we do enjoy life. Uh, The people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the high priests, and all his assistants didn't like it. And Peter gave a message that day, and he told them, why are you looking at us this way? And they were marveling, and why do you marvel? At this, and why do you gaze at us with such strange looks? This is in the name, this man was raised in the name of Jesus Christ. And he continued on, and finally he asked them to repent. And repentance is, let me tell you one thing if you want to walk with God, if you long to walk with God, the key, the key to walking with God is repentance. And this is what he told them, repent therefore and return that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And they didn't like it. They uh, gathered together the high priest and all his assistants. They caught Peter and John and says, uh, and put them in jail. Okay, chapter 4, verse 13, we'll take it from here. Now, as they observed, let's let's uh, take from verse one, verse one, and as they were speaking to the people, here you go. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them. And put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to uh, to be about 5,000. Verse, go down to verse 12, and Peter continues saying, And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. May God bless his word. They had been with Jesus. And you know, eventually, when you are with Jesus, you influence people. And I want to talk today about influence. Christian influence is undeniable. And it is inescapable. We influence others at all times in one way or the other, right? We are influenced. People, the world is influenced by, nowadays, Hollywood. They're influenced by a leader. They're influenced by a certain uh, some something that is introduced to the world. And especially nowadays, the world is influenced by evil in this world. And we see that people follow what Hollywood brings and feeds people. And there are so many, especially our teenagers nowadays, young people and that in our nation and in the world, try to imitate what they see on the movie screens. Do you agree with that or not? And we, we ourselves, as Christians, should not be influenced by that. We should even fight it. Because out of the heart of man, you know what comes? All evil things. Unless this heart is changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. So our lives can influence people either in a good way or in a bad way. And I hope all Christians are good influence in a good way. We have limited potentials for good or for evil. We might as well admit that. And would it be a marvelous thing to behold Christian influence wherever God places us? Look at the scene with me. First of all, the scene. It was an amazing moment. When I was studying this, I started imagining the court place. The Sanhedrin was in session. And the Sanhedrin is, is the Supreme Court of the Jews, if you don't know what it is. It's the Supreme Court of the Jews, composed of leaders who represented the high priestly class, and the leading citizens of the nation, the lawyer, the Pharisees, and all their friends. And they sat uh, in a circle and the air there was electric with their authority. And in the middle of this powerful body of men were two simple men, former fishermen. Not long removed from that rough life that they led and they followed Jesus at the call. And the ruling body has already concluded. What did they say here as we read? They were uneducated and untrained men. It's, they came to the conclusion. They, they said, no chance, and we are going to prosecute them. Though they did not have a degree in theology, these two men supported the fact that they have been to another kind of school. Do you agree with that? They were at the school at the feet of Jesus. And if there is no better school in theology than the feet of Jesus. Remember that, folks. It's not theology that makes us good Christians. It's only Jesus Christ that makes us good Christians. It's not learning that makes us good Christians. It's not knowledge that makes us good Christians. It's knowing Jesus Christ as Savior that makes you a good Christian. They observed these two men. They were trying to uh, intimidate them with all kinds of questions. But look what Peter and John displayed. We're still looking at the scene. They were were unwavering. In other words, they, they found them determined. They found them, the scripture says, They had confidence, another thing. They had boldness. If you read the story, you will see these words there. I pick them up for you. And then they have something that no one had. They had a frank spirit. They said it the way it is. They did not quote it. They were gladly fearless. I mean, describe to me gladly fearless. You know, when you are fearless, you are facing, facing uh, a problem, facing danger, and you tremble. But these, were sm- these two men were smiling, fearlessly smiling. They were courageous, and they were confident. A question, why do you think they were all together? Men stood there against all this body of people in the world, and they didn't know the outcome of it. But Peter and John had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. After, what did they say? They they got them in, and they tried to prosecute them. They tried to deny that there was a miracle that happened. But you know what? They couldn't deny it, because the one who got healed, the lame guy, was standing by them. How can you deny that? They put him outside. And they said, well, let's put them all outside. The three, they put them outside, and they sat down, and they started discussing, what shall we do with these men? What shall we do with them? They couldn't come up with anything except they said, okay, we will threaten them, and we will tell them not to do it again, and we'll kick them out. Oh, wow. They couldn't do anything. The whole world was against them. The whole spiritual, rabbinical forces were against them. But you know what? They could not pinpoint anything against them. Why? Because they stood with Jesus Christ. They stood with the truth. Whether it is right, Peter said, in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and what we have heard. This is taking a stand. For the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the men of God, J.H. Howitt said, men may more than match you in subtlety and argument. In intellectual argument, you may suffer an easy defeat, but the argument of a redeemed life is unassailable." They couldn't do anything. They said this is not in our power. The man is standing here. He has two legs he can stand on now. And you, all of you, don't have any leg to stand on. You couldn't judge us. You couldn't do anything. But this lame man, by the power of Jesus Christ, is standing here. Okay, I, we understand. You go, uh, you go now and don't repeat it again. Oh, yeah? We will repeat it every time we have a chance. Because this is why the great commission that the Lord has given us. They could stand in the midst of influential religious bodies such as this one. And you know, they were free to say, they said it. They said it the way it is, they had free speech. We pride ourselves in the United States that we have free speech. It was born then, you know, it was born then. There was something different about these two fishermen from Galilee. They made an impact on the community. They influenced the whole place. Look at verse 4 says, how did they make this, uh, this impact? Look at verse four, verse 4. Many of those who had heard the message believed. Is that an impact? Believed. And the number of the men came to about how many? Five thousands. 5,000. That neither the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priest, all their friends, all the well-known, all the dignitaries, that were with them could stop the wave of salvation and repentance. They had a secret in their lives. And as they expressed themselves, it was their amazing Christian influence that carried their message to all their hearers. That's the scene. I want to go a little bit further. I hope I put you in the scene. Their secret. What do you see? think their secret was. What what was the secret? The answer is found in this simple statement. Verse 13. They had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. There's no other secret. There is no power other than the power of Jesus Christ. They did not have any magic influence. They didn't go to magic school, magician school. No, they didn't go even to theology school. They just had Jesus in their hearts. They've been with him. And let me ask you this question this morning. Have you been with Jesus? And you might say, I want to influence others. I want to win people to Jesus Christ. I want to have courage like their courage. I want to have uh, their, their, their good stand against the enemies of God like this. I want to have all these people have. You know what? They didn't do it by their power. They only had one secret, and that secret is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to have it? Open your heart to Jesus Christ this morning. You want to have that power? Open you want, to be, you want to be effective in your, in your life? You have to have Jesus. You want to win souls for Jesus Christ? You have to have Jesus. You want to be a man of God? You have to, have to have Jesus. You want to be a woman of God? You have to have Jesus. And they recognized, though they were uneducated and they were untrained men, yet they have one thing. They have been with Jesus. You know, this made the difference, don't you think so? Now, since you are saying, how can we be effective as these people? How can we be effective in our influence in this world today? How can I leave an impact of, on others? I have three points I want to share with you quickly. One, Christian influence begins with a conversion experience. Let me repeat that. Christian influence begins with a conversion experience. This is a spiritual experience whereby a person turns around from a sinful life and self-will to Jesus Christ. Simple. As a change occurred in these disciples, when he recruited them, he recruited them from the world. He recruited them from the seashore, from behind, ta- tax collectors and others, and he recruited them, and he brought them, and they had the experience. He changed their lives. Jesus changed their lives, and this is how they began their journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this result resulted also in an outward, outward change, in attitude, in life. So they started influencing others. And the conversion, you say, what do you call it, Adol? Well, let me tell you what Jesus calls it. When that man, well-known man, influential man, came to him by, by night to talk to him, Jesus answered him and said, you must be born again. It's a new birth and This is how you start influencing people. Before you do anything, you have to have that experience at the feet of Jesus. And I ask you simply this morning, do you have that experience? Did you one day at a certain time in your life accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You want to be influential? In any of these areas, you want to be influential At work, you want to be that spiritual person, man, woman, a school, student. I repeat what the Lord told Nicodemus. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's from his mouth. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. There is no substitute for true salvation. You cannot substitute it by education. Because education cannot get you anywhere. Salvation can get you to heaven. Education cannot get you to heaven. You, this is an established fact. You cannot gamble with your life. Jesus said you must be born again. You must have a conversion. Like those disciples of all, 11 of them accepted him and left everything and followed him. And in order to be effective in your Christian life, you cannot go without that conversion that then and then alone you can have influence on others. Spurgeon once said, repentance is the basis, the foundation of an influential life. And he addressed the people one day and said, let us not waste our time playing with toys. In other words, let's not waste our time seeking conversion anywhere else, only in Jesus Christ. This is what he told them. And there is salvation in no one else. Peter said it. At the very beginning, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So the beginning, the first step toward an influential life, that is conversion. That means born again. Are you saved this morning? Have you repented from your sins? Did you accept at a certain time the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? And can you recall that time? And can you say, at that such and such day, at such and such hour, I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? Then you can start influencing people. You can start, your life can affect and change other lives. J.R. Miller, one of the great men of God, once wrote, uh, nothing Whatever produces, other than repentance, produces a few tears. Nothing whatsoever, other than repentance, produces tears, produces spasm in your life, frightness. But when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, it produces joy. And peace everlasting. We must leave, he said, the sins and repent and walk in the newness of life. In the clean way of holiness. The second one, quickly. Christian influence requires communion with Jesus Christ. They have been with Jesus. They had communion with him. When he was here on earth, he recruited this men because he wanted to have companionship with them. He wanted to have communion with them. He wanted to uh, produce a nucleus of good men so he can send them to the world to change the whole world. We call it companionship, if you wish. And the disciples' companionship with Jesus produced that change in their lives, and they went to change the world. This is a principle. You walk with Christ, you have communion with Christ. You walk with the world, you have communion with the world. Are you walking with Christ or are you walking with the world? And this is what we're saying. Christian influence produces or requires communion with Christ. There is a, there's an old saying that I, lo- I heard it from my dad and I will repeat it to you. Tell me whom you befriend and I'll tell you who you are. Sobering, isn't it? Who are your friends? These disciples, they left all their friends. They left all their families. They left all their acquaintances. They left their jobs to be with Jesus. They thought that it's worthwhile having companionship with Jesus above any other companionship. Who are your friends? And if you got saved, and you are a saved man or a woman, who are your friends? I like the song. What a friend we have in Jesus! Is he your friend? Are the Christians your friend? Are they in your, ho- ho- in your uh, Are they coming to your home? You're going to their homes. Do you have that relationship? Do you have that companionship with new Christians? Do you have that companionship with Jesus Christ or you still maintain your old friends and old companionship that will lead you, that will influence you to do against God's will? Mm -hmm. Communion with Christ. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Bad company or companionship corrupts good morals. Don't seek the companionship of anyone outside the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not satisfy you. The only one that satisfies and gives you a great joy is the Lord Jesus Christ and his people, and his people, and his circle. In what circle are you? In what? Who are your friends? Remember that. And this old saying affected my life. Tell me who you befriend, and I will tell you who you are. Where are you spending your time? Where do you go for recreation? Where do you go? You might say, oh, you're dreaming. I, I can go anywhere, and I can influence people with my Christian life. Yes? No. The Bible says bad relationships, bad company, corrupts good morals. At Oxford, John Wesley. Determined to have no companions save those which would help him in the life of faith and righteousness that he was trying to lead. Remember, where do you spend your time and with whom do you spend your time? And these men, they were spending their time with the Lord Jesus Christ. He fulfilled their dreams. If, If Jesus Christ can't fulfill your dreams, no one else can. If Jesus Christ cannot satisfy you, no one else can. No movie can satisfy you. No film can satisfy you. No outside friends can satisfy you. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, they had been with Jesus. That's why they were courageous and they could affect and influence the world around them. A battle-hardened ex-Marine. On a, college, uh, on a college campus sat by a Christian girl in one of his classes. Day after day, he observed her life. He observed also, that's an important fact, he observed her chosen friends. At, at times, he was he was puzzled. And he observed the way she conducted herself with each With each and every one. So that finally, he said to her, there is something about your life. I would like to know what that difference is. She said, I did not know there was anything different about me. But if there is, I'm sure it's because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a true story. And she added a little bit there. I'm just trying to live the best Christian life possible. Are you? Are we? She left an influence without saying anything. It was her life. And he observed her for many months until finally he asked the question. Remember, folks, especially Christians, people are observing us. The eyes of the world are upon you and upon me. The way we move, the way we talk, where we go, how do we play? What are we involved in? This is very important for a Christian. Where can you be found this afternoon? And let me tell you one thing. If you think you are going to be found found in a place where you don't want Jesus to visit you. You are in the wrong place. But if your life says, wherever I go, Jesus can go with me, then you are in the right place. And go and enjoy yourself. And remember, the world eyes are upon us. You be careful. This woman, she never knew this girl, that this man was observing her. You want to have influence in your Christian life? This is what you should do. The third and final word to you. Christian influence requires commitments of our lives to his life and teaching. This means I want you to listen to me carefully. And this is what the disciples did. This is what God requires. And by the grace of God, each one of us will have to follow. This means that he is to control our interests. Is he in control? This means to give him our lives unreservedly and leave it there for his safekeeping. Can you do that this afternoon? This means to give up all rights to our lives, relinquishing interests, ambitions, goals, desires, even our own abilities. In other words, just throw yourself on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to have influence in this world? You have to give up everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. It means also to take up the cross of submission to his will for our lives and consistently follow him. Above all else, this is not a forceful commitment. It is a choice that we have to make. Would you like to make this choice? You want to have an influential Christian life that affects others? Do you want to live for Christ? Do you, want, do you want people to say, well, so-and-so is with Jesus. I've been, he, he's, he's, I, You can't touch him. So-and-so has been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus the whole Sanhedrin, the whole court couldn't do anything. Don't do it. Oh, yeah. They couldn't be effective with them. And the world cannot affect you if you are with Jesus. And if you give everything to Jesus. The Lord made this very clear in Luke 9.23. And I will use the Phillips translation, Luke 9.23. You don't know how to look it now. You look it up uh, later on. If anyone, he says, wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all rights to himself, carry his cross every day, and keep close behind me. You want to be influential? You want to be like these disciples? You want to have their courage? That's what we should do. George Mueller influenced the world with his faith and dedication, right? Some of you read his his books and read his story But many years ago, he said, many years ago, there came a day in my life when George Mueller died. As a young man, I had a great many ambitions, but there came a day when I died to all these things. And I said, henceforth, Lord Jesus, not my will, but thine. And from that day, God began to work in and through me. He influenced thousands of people and he raised many kids to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Are we ready to be influential people? Are we ready? Look at the impact. Look at the impact of these men that considered nothing of value compared to serving the Lord and standing up for him. And they have influenced thousands of people. Millions. We are a result of their influence. Do you know that? That was 2,000 years ago. But today, we're talking about them. We've been influenced. God has changed us. They left an impact on us. You know what happened? They were released. They couldn't do anything. They were released. Stand up for Jesus. They went back to their own companions. They thanked and praised God in one accord. More people came to Jesus Christ. They witnessed more and more, more and one people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? Above everything, the grace of God was abundantly upon them. God never left them for one single moment. He kept with them until they changed the world. And you know what? you know what happened? They turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down. Is that influence? Let Hollywood stand in awe. Christianity is going to continue its work, and no one can affect it if we can stand up and consecrate our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and be with Him. He should be our companion, He should be everything, all in all. Let us live Christ, then. He's the best companion you can ever have. Paul said, for me to live, what? Is Christ. These disciples lived and influenced the world. The word of God confirms it. And they turned the world upside down. May God use us to be so influential. in Him. And remember, if there are any, any who haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ yet, as we bow our heads, all of us, And ask God to make us those influential Christians in the world. To ask him to take charge of our lives. To leave our ambitions. To leave anything else. To leave our goals, desires. And if I am talking to someone who who has not yet accepted the Lord as Savior. Who did not have this conversion yet. I ask you to say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I give my heart to you. Save me. Change me. And make me that influential Christian that I heard about this morning. Simple prayer. I believe that you died for me, Lord Jesus. Change my life completely. I give you my life. Our Father, we pray this afternoon that you... Charge our hearts and our lives with those words they have been with Jesus. Help us to display Jesus Christ in our lives. And we pray that we'll be influential people in matters of spiritual things so when people see us, they see the Lord Jesus Christ in us. I pray that we will not leave your presence, Father, before we commit our lives to you, our ambitions, our goals, everything we have, so you can use us during these last days before you come to take us Be with you. Bless each and every one. Dismiss us, we pray, with your blessings. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Amen. The meeting is over. May God bless you and be with you. And remember... Let us show the world who Jesus is.